today. We're joined by Chris Loder and Paul Callahan. How's it going, guys? Oh, it's very good, thanks. Grant, it's good to have you on, Paul. Uh, so we've got some top Irish racing. We can get an Irish judge to mark the card for us, and we'll have Loder to mark the card for Doncaster, and I'll just fill in the gaps and maybe pop him with a big 25 to 1 shot. But I'll keep that for later, okay? First of all, right, we're going to have a look at Saturday's card at Doncaster. The first race we're going to look at is the 150 Champagne Stakes Group 2. There's seven declared to run, and the Owen Burroughs Al Bashir heads the betting at 13 to 8 currently. Jim Crowley takes the ride for the famous colours of Sheik Hamden Al McToon. Are we with this favourite, guys? We'll start with Chris. Do you want to take him on? What do you think? Um, it, I think it all revolves really around the first two in the market between Al Bashir and Chindit. Um, I think a fair yardstick, really, uh, to assess the race around is Devious Company. Met quite a few of the the top two year olds already this season. Um I think I think you gotta think our horse is gonna be better than him and I think there are a couple in here that will be better than him tomorrow. So taking that into the balance, I did think it really was between the first two that I think are gonna be better than his current that devious company's current rating of hundred and six. I think they can be better uh, than that. And I chinned it he was a nice winner at Ascot in the Pat Eddery stakes, but I actually think the favourite here, Al Bashir, did remarkably well to win on debut, and that's where I'm just coming down with um, with him. Um, I think his Doncaster form couldn't have wiped out not too much better, to be honest with you. Um, now, the second hasn't really done much for the form in the third. However, if you actually look further back down the field, the fourth-place horse was lost in space uh, for John Gosden, and in the last uh, couple of weeks, he's really racked uh, up a couple of wins together and some nice-looking nurseries as well, where the, those form lines have been boosted. And also as well, the fifth-place horse um, was a really nice winner at Newcastle uh, last week. It was actually one of my naps I put up uh, at 8-1. to one. So so I've been observing the form line of this Albershire, and I wondered when he was going to turn up again. And if you watch the replay back at Doncaster, um, if you actually look at the race three furlongs to go he, he looks beat he looks like he's not really going to get involved to fight out in the places and then he just put a tremendous turn of foot together and and re, and did the job nicely and i just think if he takes a bit more of a step forward from that he, he's the one i really that i think might just have a bit of star class but chindit's done nothing wrong and is definitely going to be his biggest threat it was certainly impressive, I'll be sure, with pushing distance. Um, I'm not sure what it'd be, but visually very impressive. Uh, what about yourself, Paul? Um, are you with, with Al Bashir, or do you, do you, are you going to take him on? I'm going to take him on. With, I'm going to come down on the side with Chinda, Richard Hannon, and Pat Dobbs. Um, you know, when you look, Al Bashir won that novice stakes over course and distance. That, incidentally, was five seconds faster than Chinda's course and distance win on his debut back on the 5th of July, albeit... Albashir's win was on good to bear and was on good. But Albashir didn't attract much market support. And I think he opened up at 7 to 1. He was returning at 15 to 2. Now he was very impressive and he could be anything. But I do like Chindit. I think Richard Hannon has a, has a strong team. Seems to have a very strong team of, of two year olds this year. And Chindit was returning 2 to 1 favourite on debut. So he was obviously pleasing at home. And I was quite taken by his Ascot win where the second, third and fourth, they've all won since. So I think on the back of that, I think it's Chinda for me. 
against the Portsmouth Shinder. And I agree with Paul as well. I think at the prices, I think he should be favourite. Um, I know Abishu has got the course and distance for him, but um, we're not sure what he beat. So I'll be siding with Shinder as well. And if we can't get a winner in this race, I think we need to, to get a new job. Anyways, moving on to the 225 at Doncaster. We're going to have a look at the Portland Handicap 22 declared sort of race Chris Loder loves. Um, we'll start with Paul. What do you like in this race? I am going to side with the Andrew Barling train, Stone of Destiny. I think at the minute we have, you have the likes of Soldiers Minute up there, drawn and saw 22. Soldiers Minute, Okita Lee, Shane Gray on board, running off a marker in 99. He's never won off anything higher of his handicap mark than 95. Again, I could see him running well. He generally runs his race, but I could see him running well without without winning. Do you know, some firms are going four places. Most are going five. And if you shop around, you will see, you know, you will find six places. So on the back of that, I would side with, with Stone and Destiny. Sylvester D'Souza on board. Draw and stall 18. Running off a marker 93. He's won off 90, 97 in the past. That was Alaska Sherga Cup meeting last year. And he, he has run off in the past a mark of 109. Obviously, his mark was dropped for obvious reasons, but on his best form, he should be be there or thereabouts. He's currently a 20 to 1 shot, um, best price available. Um, I think that last run at Sandown as well behind Blue de Vega. I just think the winner got first run. Um, but he's ran on quite well. I think the Souths on board is certainly a positive. Um, it's a 20 to 1 best price available. Um, what's uh, Lucky Loader's with in this race? I was trying to find an outsider for this race, but I genuinely think the horses at the top of the market are going to be the, the most likely winners. Um, Another favourite, Chris? Not quite the favourite, but it's fighting for favouritism at the moment. I thought a moment of madness had solid claims. Uh, previous winner, I actually backed him uh, when he won this race a couple of years ago at 25-1. to 1. He ran a blinder in it last year behind now Group 1 winner, Oxted, to finish second. And those two races that he ran in, so last year when he ran in the Portland and the year before he was running off much higher marks he won the race two years ago off a mark of 99 and then he finished second in the race last year off a mark of 95 he's off 91 you know so this um race has always been in the connections mind and you've got to respect his chances and I thought Arecibo as well he's he's been one of these that I've seen put up by quite a lot of judges I haven't really fallen fallen for him but I'm sure a lot of people have. He's given quite a few people burnt fingers. But I just thought, again, he ran well in this race last year, finished fourth, and he's been threatening to win a big race. And he's actually £6 lower now, or £7 lower, actually, to when he um, ran in this race last year. And for me, I just thought it could be his turn to um, come and do this, to come and get his win. Okay. Aracib was currently a 10-1 to one shot. A uh, moment of madness is best price available is seven to one um i've actually potentially found one here um i think a lot of these are quite are high enough in the weights and um potentially i mean the one i found was royal residence i mean big big price here royston french on board it runs off 85 um in this race i think he was unlucky in the great st wilbert handicap drawn on the wrong side and would and probably would have won if not been hampered 100 to one that day um He's, he's one of 87 in the past, and I think he's a massive price currently, 50 to 1. I mean, he's certainly one to play in the win in additional place markets. Um, I'm looking at it just now, hopefully, at fair on the exchange, they play six places, because I think it'll be all over that one. 
Um, I think he's one that's went under the radar. And as I look at the prices, uh, he's actually just been clipped in a 25 to 1 in places. So hopefully, I mean, I've got a bit of 40s. Um, hopefully some other people can get that as well. But that would be be my selection. Royal Residence, I mean, 50 to 1. Um, Chris is with RSC Boat 10s and a moment man is at 7s. And Paul Lake's Story of Destiny at 20 to 1. Moving on to the next race, it's the three, it's the three o'clock uh, Park Stakes, Group 2. Um, we have eight runners here. Um, do you think the winner's going to come through from the front two in the bang here, guys? Well, what are we going to go with, Chris? Uh, again, I thought this was a, a very tricky race, really, where they all have a chance on paper. You know, it, it was hard to really ignore any of them. Anything could win this. But I do think the horses at the top of the market will probably just come to the fore but we could get easily get a boil over here i just i just decided to go with wichita i just think that form obviously from royal ascot uh in the st james's palace stakes behind palace pier pinatubo it looks rock solid you know and i think seven furlongs is his ideal trip i think you can put a line through that run last time out at um at, at doville i think that was a little bit of a a warmer race than he's going to be running in tomorrow. He ran a solid race here last year when he was a two-year-old. Um, ground shouldn't be a problem. And I just thought with the, the weight for age allowance as well, getting a few pounds off some of the older horses, it, it's a weak tentative selection. But in what looks a very open race, I just thought Wichita might be able to get back to winning ways. He's currently a 72 best race available at the moment. Um, what is Paul like in this race? I like a lot. This is not my selection now, but I, I think Mullatham is is overpriced here. You know, he's the winner of, of the Jersey Stakes. He beat Wichita at this meeting last year when taking the, the Flying Scotsman. And this is only a seven start. So you'd imagine there's still a bit of untapped potential still left in the locker. But so I do think Mullatham, anything about four to one, I think is is pretty attractive for Roger Berry and stars. Jim Crowley. Available at the moment. Oh, six to one. It's massive. Yeah, I think that's a huge price for Mullatham. You know, he's, he beat, beat Wichita at this meeting last year. You know, he's fifth when last seen, but he was a good winner two starts back. And on just his, his seventh start, it's, you know, you'd imagine there's still a bit left there to be to be unraveled. But I'm a huge one master fan, so I was quite disappointed when she was beaten by Safe Voyage at York on her last start. But when you go back to Goodwood, everything that could went wrong, could go wrong, went wrong, and she, she still won. She's already a Group One winner. She took the the Prix de la Forêt at Longchamp last last October, and I think Anathan round the, the three to one seven to two mark. I think could just in an ideal world could look a big price shortly after three o'clock. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of her as well. Actually, back to New York. Um, I just yeah. think the ground was against her. Um, and safe voyage. I think I think it was an, a ridiculously good ride by Jason Hart. I mean, he dictated from the front, got the faction right, and just one master just couldn't pick up. Um, so it's interesting as well, Molotham. I mean, if you look at the form um, behind Pinatubo, I mean, obviously Pinatubo Deville was obviously one to two strong favourite and just just prevailed. Molotham is actually nine to one, near enough second favourite to to beat him that day. So obviously they, they do like him. Um, it's certainly worth worth of interest at six to one. But the one that I actually like is breathtaking. Look, I do think the ground's a concern for this one. And um, this this horse has been a bit of a rogue for me. I remember I did my absolute bollocks on it at Chelmsford on his second run um, behind Heavenly Holly. I thought it was an absolute certainty that night. It's disappointed if Richard King's got on board, but obviously Heaven Holly's went on. I think she's rated, rated in the hundreds, 93 she's rated at the moment. Um, side effects, obviously, a nice horse as well. Um, 
rated 90, so that was actually quite a good maiden. And currently a 10 to 1 shot. But I would say if, if the ground does come up soft, I would probably lower your stakes. But I do think it's very, very competitive. Um, and I think that I think Lamato is vulnerable in this race, one to take on. I think there's enough in the race for us to take him on. Um, but anyways, moving on to the big one. Well, in Doncaster anyway, there is there might be some debate where the biggest meeting is this weekend, but at Doncaster, we're going to look at the St. Ledger there. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think this is the greatest renewal. I think this is pretty wide open. Um, what do you like in this race, Paul? Well, I think it's an all-known form. When you take the derby out of the equation, I think this race is pile, dri- pile drivers to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a nice strong stall for, I know it's over mile and six, but when you're starting on the, you know, when you're, He's going to be pretty much, he can get in a, a nice position on the, on the rail, one would imagine. And when you put a line through the, to Derby form, his form is solid. Like He was a good winner of the Great Voltager. He won well at Ascot in June. You have Santiago in there, won the Irish Derby. He was third behind Stradivarius at Goodwood on his, on his last start. Won the Queen's Vaz three starts ago, but had Barksha Rocco a little under three lengths behind in second. And overall, you'd imagine, I think that form shouldn't be, be good enough, I think. One at a, at a bit of a bigger price, I think, to that could be the biggest danger, in my opinion, to pile driver could be Hookham, Rowan Burrows, and Jim Crowley. Um, he's, you know, he's three wins from four starts. He was very impressive at Newbury in Group Three company on his last start, and just could imagine, you know, there's just plenty. There's, there's the amount of untapped potential there could be could be just frightening, and I think connections could have had the, the ledger in mind at the beginning of the season and just walked backwards from there. Um, just looking here, his, his last start was on the fifteenth of August. It's just a sports start. He's gonna, have, he probably will have to step up, obviously. But I think Hockham could pose the, the biggest threat to Pile Driver. Yeah, I was, I was mightily impressed with Pile Driver. Um, even with that Ascot win, um, even on good to soft, it didn't didn't seem to stop him that day. Um, I think the key to this horse is maybe potentially being a flat track. I mean, if you if you take out that Epsom form, um, it's debatable if, if you think that was a bit of a fluke. But if you if you write that run off. I mean, to me, he's the one to beat. I mean, very, very impressive at York. I think the only question mark is the distance. Will he stay? Um, I do think Pile Driver is the one to beat. Um, I was impressed with his win at Ascot. Good to soft. He's won impressively that day. Um, I think you should write off that run at Epsom. Um, if, you, if you were to write that off, I, t- I don't think he handled the track. And I just think it was a really strangely run raced. Um, and I think if he ran it again, he would never get the same result. The run at York as well was even more impressive than Ascot. Um, good ground, flat track. It was good to soft that day in places. I think that flat track element could offset the extra distance at Doncaster. Um, I think what what Martin Dwyer will want is a fast pace early. Just set, set off them, hold them up, get them settled. I think that could be the key to this race. If you can settle them early and just put them to sleep and then pick them up at the two furlong pole. But I don't think he'd want to commit too early if there is any stamina doubts. I do think the three to one available is is a fair price, um, and obviously the one that Paul mentioned as well was Hookham. Um, I think that form behind Max Vega is solid as well. Um, Owen Burrows' lightly race could potentially be anything. Um, yeah, I don't think it's the greatest renewal, but pile driver for me. Um, what about yourself, Chris? Which one are you with? I think it's been a really difficult year to assess where the three-year-old Colts are on the way that they've been campaigned. Um, and I think pretty much any horse that ran in the derby and didn't come up to par, which was the majority of them, I think you can 
put a line through most of their performances. Power Driver's done nothing wrong. Very good winner at Ascot. Then um, even more impressive at uh, York in the Great Voltage. But for me, I just have question marks over his stamina. Um, that, that would be my only concern for him. And just because I don't think he will stay the trip, I would like to take him on with something. Santiago, I don't think actually that form behind Stradivarius is that good because of the amount of weight he was receiving from Stradivarius and Alnaeth Road. I was a bit disappointed that he couldn't beat Alnaeth Road because Stradivarius wasn't really out of second gear that day. I, I, I think you can take that form of a bit of a pinch of salt. I think Stradivarius this year is in the form of his life. Um, so I, I wouldn't really say that he was tested. Um, Huckham... Again, a horse deserves to be up there in the betting. Um, but again, I just Owen Burrows doesn't really convince me as a as a Group One winning trainer to to get get the job done. The one I've come down on because I think he's a huge price is Mohican Heights for David Simcock and Jamie Spencer. We were talking about the pace and where it's going to come from. Subjectivist will be up there, no doubt, um, setting the pace early on. Uh, I think also as well one or two of the Bally Doyle contingent could be up there making the pace. So I think I think it could set up for a closer and I can just see now Jamie Spencer holding this horse up the back and coming with a late run. He's bred to go uh, for longer distances. He's by Australia. His, his dam um, as well, uh, a daughter of uh, Shirley Heights, um, got a lovely stay in pedigree. And if you look at this horse's uh, siblings, one of them actually has won over the course and distance. It wasn't the St. Ledger, but they won a very decent handicap. So we know that the course and the course and distance is somewhere in the pedigree of that horse. And if you go back for his form as well, he, he, he ran a really credible race to finish third behind Pile Driver when David Simcock's horses were really badly out of form. And he stayed on really strongly. He had a smart form as well as a two-year-old. He won the Stonehenge Stakes at... Um, that's at Salisbury beating Berlin Tango and Subjectivist, you know, so he, he's got good form, you know, and again, he ran in the Derby, you can forgive him that run. David Simcox horses have been running a lot better, and if there is a bit of a pace collapse, which there could be, it's a long way home at Doncaster, he could be coming with a late run, and at 25 to 1 each way, I I just thought if he wanted a bit of value, he, he could be it in, in what looks like a wide open race. It's interesting you bring up the the run behind Pile Driver Ascot, the King Edward V Stakes. Mahican Heights has actually went a four to one second favour that day behind Mogul, and Pile Driver obviously won eighteen to one. I do actually remember watching that race. Pile Driver did get a dreamer up the inside, got first run, and Mahican Heights did look a bit outpaced. Um, and that extra two furlongs couldn't make the difference. You don't know they could could he reverse the form in mean, twenty five to one. You put up a good argument there, Loder. I'll give you that. Um, could be worth looking at the place market and the win market on Betfair on the day. Um, but overall, I'd probably stick with Pile Driver. I just think it's a classy sort. And I think the flat trial will suit. Um, and obviously, Paul's with Pile Driver as well at 3 to 1. And who come the danger at 4 to 1. And Chris Lice Mohican Heights at 25 to 1. Moving on to Leperstown, we're going to start with the 310 Matron Stakes Group 1. What do we like here, Chris? Again, I thought it we it, it does a re- revolve around the horses that are prominent in the betting. We've got Fancy Blue here, haven't we? Um, who's really progressed very nicely this season. 
for uh, Donisher O'Brien. You know, he's really started to make a name for himself in the training game and peaceful, trained by his dad. You know, he's probably on paper the biggest danger. Uh, I've I've always been a massive fan of Peaceful. Uh, I was confident of her to go and win that uh, one thousand Irish guineas, you know, and and she did a good job that day. And then then the two met again in the pre Diane, which has turned out to be a really strong piece of form with Alpine Star um, running a good race behind Palace Pier, and also as well you had Rabihar in there for Jean Claude Rouget. So the form of of the race looks pretty pretty good from that uh, that aspect of things, but. I just thought that this sometimes this meeting it does produce some really big price winners, and I just thought so wonderful was taken quite a while to to come to the task. You might remember she was a maiden for quite a long time. I just thought that maybe at twenty five to one she was a really really big price, and could come with a late run or just she might have just got got the the winning knack now. And for me. I just thought if you're looking for a bit of value, so wonderful. She she had some good form earlier in the career. She lost it in the middle, but yeah, if if if, if the first two in the betting kind of failed to deliver, which I think they could do, because Peaceful's been away for a little while. Fancy Blue, her form's not exactly apart from that win in the pre dine It's not exactly rock solid. I don't because her her Goodwood format isn't actually that strong. It hasn't worked out that well, so. For me, I just thought if you wanted a bit of a fun bet in this, not strong fancy, but so wonderful, might just be able to do an upset. Yeah, she certainly ran a lot in her career to date. Um, did run behind Peaceful at the Curra and um, the Guineas at the start of the year. Um, for me, I, I think it's a bit of a step up for her. Um, I would that'd be one I probably oppose, Chris. Um, we don't do very often, um, but I think this is a bit of an ask, and I do think the fact. Jamie Heffernan's went for for peaceful as a bit of an indicator. Um, I actually think, yeah, I think peaceful's probably the one to be on. Well, what what do you think here, Paul? I think it's hard to get away from Fancy Blue. I think you know she's a dual Group One winner. She was the winner of the Nassau at Goodwood and also the winner of the Prix de Diane. She's she's a touch of class. I thought at Goodwood. You know, you can question the form, but she done it with. I think she's a lot more value than the winning margin. But I thought she was there was a bit of a street fighter about her, you know, especially for a Philly, which you don't often see in France. I thought that was quite a hard race. So I thought what she did at Goodwood was, you know, given that it was less than a month, like she won off Chantilly on the 5th of July. She came back to Goodwood then at the end of July. It was the 30th of July she won at Goodwood. And she had quite a hard race in France. So I was quite taken by that performance. And the fact that she came out and she was, she was so classy then at Goodwood. I think she's the, the form horse in the race. Peaceful, it's interesting. She was just held behind um, Fancy Blue at Shantee. The horse, I'm going to go with, with Fancy Blue. I think she's the, the horse in the race to, to take out of this. If a horse that I really like in this one is the Johnny Marshall train, Champers Elysees. I really like this filly. She was she was very good at Galway. I think if, if memory serves me correct, just off the top of my head, I think she was drawn out wide on that occasion. And she absolutely, the amount of distance she put between herself and the field coming off the home tournament was very, very impressive. Colin Keane's been booted. Um, you know, she she need, she will need to step up again. She's been kept busy since June. This is her third run in six weeks. But she's a filly in form. She's going the right way. And she's certainly in safe hands in, in Colin Keane and Johnny Marshall. So I'd love to see Champers Elysees run a big race, but it's, it's fancy blue for me. 
Yeah, that Chantilly form, fancy blue, looks solid. Alpine star with no mug, and obviously peace yeah. form, um, and obviously backed up, up next time out. I think. Are you worried about the about the trip for uh, the Johnny Martin horse here? To step up. I don't. I'd be. I don't think so. Not to step up and trip. I'd be more so the, the step up and class and the step up and trip. Like the the Galway seven furlongs is is a pretty stiff seven. Oh, um, and like I said, I, I think she was she was drawn out wide, just going off the top of my head. But the distance she she put between herself and the field coming off the home turn, you know, if she's if she's to play a part here in the matron, she would want to do that. But she was very very impressive. Now she was she was an odds on favourite when taking a, a group three at Gorham Park for the last scene. She pearls galore. Paddy Toomey's runner back in second. She only won by half a length, but that would be my only slight concern. She's, she's been kept busy, and there was a, a diminishing half length, I think, if 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 that serves me correct. But Galway, her Galway run was very, very impressive. And she was well back that day. I think she was returned. She was returned 15 to 8 favourite. I think she was 9 to 2, 5 to 1 the night before, so she was got stuck in at Galway. Yeah, I thought I should remember that visually. Goes the one where she just kicked round the bend and went yeah. well, well clear and eased down. Yeah, visually very impressive. No, I think was I correct myself. She was actually drawn down the inside, drawn a stall one or two, and I think she just got a pitch down the in, down the rail. And if memory, she got a she got a, a dream run round then and kicked. She she kicked off the home tournament. I think that probably looks the main danger to anybody with the name O'Brien bringing home the the bacon here. <laughs> I wonder what price. I'll maybe speak to, to Paddy or Bever, see if we can get a markup for a maybe an Aidan O'Brien or an O'Brien family member not to win this race. The odds would be quite interesting. But anyway, selections. Paul likes Fancy Blue two to one. Chris likes So Wonderful at twenty five to one, and I've went for Peaceful best price about nine to four at the moment. Um, moving on to the three forty Champional Champion Juvenile Stakes Group Two. Um, what do we like here, Paul? Yeah, it's Group 2. This is one of the, the Breeders' Cup winning your in-races as well. I think it's hard to see past the Jessica Harrington train Cadillac here. She's disappointed now when it, it beat an odds-on favourite in the Futurity Stakes behind Jim Bulger trains McSweeney, despite being only beaten by half the length. was very, very impressive on debut. And I think Cadillac, you know, sometimes it's very hard for the for the horses to, to back up their debut, especially when they're so, they're so impressive on race course debut. It's very hard to eke it and improve, especially on the second start. So I think Cadillac could just demolish the, the field here. I think at bigger prices, Geraldine's is Edith of August for Colin Keane is interesting. Edith of August won a maiden here in June, but the second Southern Cape then went on and, and won his maiden on his next start before struggling in stronger contests, which included finishing last of eight in the, in the futurity. And you got Fernando Vici won won his maiden over course and distance in July, but the second the second has has ran twice since and, and hasn't won. Um, I'd be more inclined to to tip up the Joseph O'Brien train, Declan McDonough ridden Snapperteria, um, as the biggest danger here to the to the selection Cadillac. Um, he's been kept quite busy since scoring on on debut at Bellystone back in July. This is a sports start since then and his, his fifth start in total and that you know you're only going back from july to the, the beginning of september and um, terry finished two lengths behind cadillac in the futurity having been quite keen on that occasion so i think if we can get settled in the earlier stages i think he might just finish with a, a bit more toe and get get a little closer and give cadillac more to think about Snapateria has been has been busy the busiest out of the lot here um, yeah. and runs best price currently an eight, eight to one show at the moment um 
Cadillac best price two to one. Do you think um do you think there's potential guineas horse in this race? Or do you, is anything that stands out to you at all? Do you think Cadillac could be the one? I think Cadillac could win and win very well here. Okay. So now's the time to go on any post, yeah, next year. Well, we'll see. I think yeah, the way I don't think Cadillac I don't think lost an awful lot in defeat and defeaturity. I think it is very hard. It was pretty impressive when when winning at Epperson on debut. That was back on the, the 1st of July, like one by nine lengths back then. It is hard because, you know, when you're looking to find improvement on the back of that debut, you know, it, it just, like, I would imagine Cadillac, I can't think of the race off the top of my head, but I'd imagine wouldn't have had to do much off the bridle at Epperson on, on his first start. So I'd imagine when things came to the Curra, when he was being asked to go on in, in Group 2 company, just had to maybe, maybe think for a minute. Yeah, I mean, that race of the car as well was a big step up to Group 2. Um, and it was soft to heavy. It was an absolute bog from running on good ground on debut. Um, I think yeah. so. The surface will help. Um, and obviously, the step up to another furlong is obviously in the favour as well. Um, what about you, Chris? Do you fancy him? It's hard to get away from Cadillac, isn't it? It was a very impressive debut. Um, first time up at Leopardstown for Chess Carrington. You don't normally see too many um, first-time-out winners win by nine lengths, you know. But I just think that I was slightly disappointed with that effort at at the current. You can probably forgive the ground that day, um, but I was still slightly disappointed. I was expecting a little bit better after what we saw on debut. Um, And I just thought that left a little bit of value out there if you wanted to take a chance on, on a on a bigger price horse. And the one I came down on was, um, Paul didn't mention him there, uh, in his, on the ones that he preferred, um, away from Cadillac. But I thought Jack Duggan could be an interesting contender here for Kevin Manning and Jim Bulger. Now this horse, um, I'd urge anyone to go back and watch the, the race and replay at Tipperary because this horse, he really did, find the line really strongly in, in the last couple of furlongs or so he, he 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 ran into quite a few blind alleys and he was traveling beautifully and when he did get out he really did show a good turn of foot but then in the last hundred yards or so he he kind of was a bit green and he and he and he kind of was a little bit lit up now he beat brazil that day for aiden o'brien who had been very well fancied on all his starts um but been beaten on all of them but subsequently he has he actually has gone on to get his head in front on heavy ground at the car so the form has worked out not too badly there you know but jim bulger he he, um he uh, actually saddled the winner of that race that uh, cadillac came second in you know and and he'll have an idea of obviously how how good the 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 form is He, he should know the difference between um, Jack Duggan and his winner at um, the car, his name escapes me now, Max Sweeney. Um, so it, I think he's an interesting runner. He's got an American pedigree as well, and this is one of the breed of cup races. Now, he's by a sire I've never really heard of before called Jack Milton. He's got an American pedigree. And I just think with his breeding, he's probably going to pre- slightly prefer a little bit of better ground. It was yielding to soft in Ireland that day at Tipperary. And I just think a uh, big price. I think you can get twenty to one on him. Jim Bulger can sometimes come up trumps in these two-year-old races, especially as well at big prices. His horses are running all right as well. He's had several winners in the last fortnight. And I just thought if you wanted an alternative away from Cadillac, who really 
does hold the key place in the market i just think 20 to 1 is a fairly big price and if you wanted to back him each way i think he would give you a run for your money it's currently 10 runners so you get free places on your traditional sports book obviously if you want to be playing exchanges you get some additional places i actually do remember that run with brazil because i actually laid the o'brien horse that day um came from nowhere jack duggan um got hampered a lot as well quickened up impressively um, I think the, the ground angle is important. Uh, I think if it turns to a bog, it'll probably go against him, similar to Cadillac. Um, the step-up and trip shoe suit as well. I'll be with Cadillac with Paul at best price, 2-1. to one. Jack Duggan, currently a 20-1 to one shot. I mean, you, potentially you could have a saver on Jack Duggan out of an interest as well. But I think I think Cadillac's definitely the one to beat. Um, moving on to the Irish Champion Stakes, 4-10. The question is, can Aidan O'Brien getting beat what do you think chris no i just think gareth wins doesn't he um magical i would say would be his biggest danger sass is an interesting runner for jean claude Rouchet, but he's not really been at the top of his game this year uh obviously the arc is where they're they're really wanting to do the business with him um but yeah, it's really hard to take him on. I just think Gareth... It'd be interesting to see if maybe Japan or Magical try and take him on early doors because I think that's the only way you're going to beat Gareth is if you went... If you tried to put him out of his comfort zone. But to be honest, most of the horses, if they do go to the front, they're probably they're probably not going to be able to handle the early fractions he'll most likely set. So... Yeah, Gareth, it's, it's going to... I think it'll have to take a performance like we saw in the arc to, to, to get him beat. It, but Japan was a, no, a complete no-show in the King George. Ran all right in the Eclipse Stakes when he finished in third, but he still finished behind Gareth, you know, and Magical was put in her place behind him as well at York. So, yeah, it's really hard to see anything getting involved here. And... Yeah, just scarf if you want to maybe put him in a double with something. I think he's a solid option. And what about you, Paul? Um, what do you like in this race? Yeah, I think to say Magical was put in a place in the, the Judgment International. Three lengths separated the pair on that that run, but I don't see any reason why why Magical should reverse that form. Sotsas is is as Chris said, is an interesting runner, but purely for the fact that he's a French coming over I went through his form last night and I can't see why he should be involved I think maybe the only chance of getting Gareth beat is maybe if there's a O'Brien if he's a sniper maybe if to just off the M50 just take him out of the home straight um, I can't just how far I think you know he's a different different league to these good words how far <laughs> um, I've been burned many a time with that <laughs> I remember I got uh, more of that because of freeze on chance got beat in a free running race but anyway um <laughs> One thing I would ask you guys is, which which one is O'Brien going to sacrifice to try and rough GF up? Is he going to sacrifice Japan or Magical? Because obviously Armory is going to go forward, but what is he going to do with these two? What are the tactics going to be for O'Brien, do you think? Uh, you'd imagine somebody's going to follow GF wherever. Um, you'd imagine someone will, will be, whether the other is going to sit, you know, half length him or sit, try and sit alongside him and just, or maybe sit a, a neck or so down just to maybe try and deny him. Um, and you'd imagine the other maybe just sitting in the slipstream to, to come and pounce late in an ideal world. But 
I don't. I can't see it happening. What do you think, Chris? Is there anything that they could do to try and sort of rough him up or light him up, something like that? Seven tries to take him on. Um, nothing really has taken him on. I've seen he's had it all up as he's had it all his own way. I mean, he sets unbelievable fractionals from from the get go that nothing else can really sustain. I mean, if that because he's a horse that likes to get his own way in front, you know, and and if if he if he gets to the if if something else was maybe ahead of him, maybe he 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 would have a different mentality, you know, but he's really changed this year, Gareth, you know, like fair play to Charlie Appleby, you know, because he was a bit of a freak last year when he won by 14 lengths in the German group one. I know it was a, a group one in Germany, you know, but you don't see many group one horses anywhere around the world win by 14 lengths, you know, and then obviously he was fancied as a bit of a sexy horse for the, for the arc. Quite a few, sh few shrewdies were on him, but, we found we know that it, it didn't pay to be up with the pace that day, and it's set up for the closers. Um, so yeah, I, I think Gareth, you know, he's done nothing wrong this season. A lot of his form is pretty good, um, and yeah, he's unless they maybe take him on with something early on, trying to get him out of his comfort zone. I think that's the only way you get him beat. And the grounds are concerned if it turns into a bog. He's so he's one on sort of good ground, better service. If it turns an absolute bog, is he one that you take the pink bottom with on Betfair? I'm I'm trying to find an angle here. I'm gonna. <laughs> but it's not going to be a bog. The, the weather's. Yeah, I don't think it's going to. Yeah, the weather's going to be fairly dry this week. Um, okay. So yeah, it should be fine. Hit the blue button, everyone. All aboard. How far? Anyway, so we're all with Gaif. Um, for me, he's probably one to beat by the prices. I'll be leaving this one alone. If it does turn into a bog, potentially a lay for me. Anyway, moving on to the Boomerang Mile Group 1. What do we like in this race, Paul? Well, I think I think this could be a real cracker, but I think all eyes are going to be on one master at Donia at 3 o'clock. If Safe Voyage was so good at York when taking the, the City York Stakes, and the question here would be Colin Keane's on board for John Quinn. Can he be as good you know, at, at Leperstown as, as he was at York the last day. You have Royal Dornock up there for, interestingly, partnered by, by Shamey Heffernan at bigger prices. Already a, a Group 2 winner. Of course, the distance winner back in August when taking the Group to Group 3, Desmond Stakes, and is overpriced at, what price Royal Dornock? Best price at? Royal Dornock at the moment. Best price 11 to 1. Right. Yeah, he could be an, an attractive proposition at around 10s, but I think this can go the way of the Simon and Ed Crystal Train Century Dream, partnered by William Buick. Century Dream did struggle in Group 1 company, Iron Persian King of Shanti, in July, but has a Group 3 and a Group 2 wins either side of that run at Shanti. Won the celebration mile at Goodwin in August, raced on the front end and, you know, sat second on, on the, you know, in a slowly ran race. And I think Century Dream is priced accordingly towards the top end of the market, but just a question mark about Safe Voyage, because he was so good at York. It can be often hard to back that up. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think at York, had everything his own way. Um, I don't think he's going to get that tomorrow, and I think this is a big step up for me. Um, he's actually my lay of the weekend in the place market. It's a bold bold statement, definitely one I want to take on. Um, what about you, Chris? Who are you with? 
Um, I thought this was quite an open race, to be honest with you. Um, again, like I thought a lot of them had solid chances. I think Safe Voyage and Century Dream, obviously, they're the ones that deserve to be up there in the betting. Uh, Safe Voyage, I thought, he's, he's a great horse. Uh, I, I love this horse, you know. But I just wonder if maybe a mile just stretches him a little bit. He does have form at a mile. But I think seven. He's one of these horses that sometimes they're a bit of a rock and a hard place where they can win over a mile, but it's probably not their optimum distance. But they're not good enough to probably be competing over sprint distances, you know. So that's that's where I'm falling with Safe Voyage. You know, I'm just I'm just thinking it might set up for a closer, and and I I agree with Paul about Royal Dornock. I think the way that he picked up last time and he hit the line very strongly at the end was very impressive. Um, and again, like I said earlier, sometimes this meeting does have a few, a few fluke results where you get some big price, uh, winners. Um, some, sometimes these favourites, they they look solid on paper, but sometimes, you you do get the odd shock here and there, and I just think that the race could set up quite nicely for him. I, I mean, forgive his run up. Ascot and give his run in the guineas he actually beat Kamiko last year when he won the group 2 Royal Lodge you know? so he does have a bit of backlash to him and and I just think Jamie tomorrow he's been booked to ride tracks the pace you know and if, he, if the gaps open up I can see him coming with a late run and even 11 to 1 you know I think he's a great each way bet to nothing and I, I would be disappointed actually if he couldn't finish in the first three I think I'm quite sweet on his chances tomorrow to, to run a good race. I actually had a look at Royal Dornock as well, just for the ground could be an issue, but if it stays good, certainly one of interest in the each way market. Um, going back to Safe Voyage, I and mean, if you look at that run last time out behind one master, had it all his own way. Um, and I think this is a big step up in class um, and the extra furlong as well. I think he'll get swallowed up in the final furlong and he, he, he is going to get taken on, but there's no way they're going to let him set fractions up front. Um, Colin Keane obviously has a positive, um, but five to two for me is short enough. The horse had a lot of racing as well the last few months. I mean, you could probably lay this in the place market for three places at maybe 1.6, 1.7. I mean, that that's my sort of bet. I'd be taking that on, maybe a little bit on the four place market as well, because I can see this thing getting, getting taken on, falling away, final furlong. But anyway, the bets for this race are Royal Dornot 11 to 1. And Century Dream for Paul at five to two. My best safe voyage at the place lay market. And moving on to Sunday's action at the current. The first race we're going to look at is flying five stakes over five furlongs. What do we like here, Paul? Well, at the top of the market, you have you have make a challenge for Joe Doyle and Dennis Hogan. Make a challenge very rarely runs a bad race. However, he's yet to win at any any group level. He's a number of of listed races and a premier handicap to his name, but he's yet to, to win at any sort of group, group three, two. So I don't know, question marks there, whether that form is, whether he's good enough to, to win at group one level. Glass slippers there for Kevin Kevin Ryan and Tommy Hughes was a good second behind Batash and the guitar stakes. Glass slippers is already a group one winner, but I'm going to come down on the side of A Ally for Colin Keane and Simon and, and Ed Chrisford. Um, Ayala, Group 2 winner this time last year at Doncaster, was well held behind Batash in the Numtar, but was starting to stay on again in the last four and a half or four or so on. 
I do like horses. We referred to, to another race earlier on in the podcast. I do like horses that, that hit the line quite strong, kind of, you know, I, I just, I would rather see that than a horse tire now. Do you know, it, it just gives you hope in an ideal world for the next day. It gives you hope for, for the, you know, further down the road. When a horse is tiring and hit the line, it just would indicate that that's pretty much the, obviously the fuel tank's empty, so, which can often leave its mark. But I just like the way Ally was, was staying on with last scene, so guess the nod here. Yeah, certainly one of interest. And of course, there is no potash in this field. And to be honest with you, I think this is a bit of a step down in class. I don't think this is anywhere near as competitive as last time out. Um, what do you like here, Chris? Please uh, I, tell me you, you like something else. No, I, ha- I have to agree with with Paul, you know, um, not, not, not been copying him, but I, I do <laughs> Wait think... Wait till we go through the rest of them, Chris, anyways. You, you've got a few... You've got a few horses here that played second fiddle to Batash or finishing... But in behind Batash, last couple of starts, uh, Glass Slippers already mentioned on it. Goodwood finished in second at Goodwood in that race. Ali ah, um, finished fourth. You had Kiyomoro, really, who's done nothing wrong, but I just don't quite think she's a group one filly, even though Michael Dodds does wonder with his sprinters as they get older. Mabs Cross just being one of them. Dakota Gold, you know. Um, I can't remember the name of Mecca's Angel as well. You know, like yeah. you know, you have to really respect his sprinters. He does very well with them, especially as they get older. So maybe she is the one to that we could we could be maybe just forgetting about. But Al Ali, you know, he he's already been to the car and he's won, you know, and he and he beat make a make a challenge that day by a length. I think he totally can forgive his run in the Nunthorpe. You know, I think that was a bizarre race. Uh, Art Power, who who really didn't do himself any favours by getting slow away that day, has bounced back to form by finishing in fourth in the Haydock Sprint Cup, which looked a cracking race last week. I think that is a good, that was a proper good group one for the sprinting division. Um, and, and I just think you can forgive him that run, you know, and I think you'll be able to forgive quite a lot of horses that run that. It was a bizarre race. Um, and yeah, I just think Ali's solid, you know, I think, I think five furlongs is definitely his trip. I, 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 he's been a couple of times up to six furlongs. I definitely think six furlongs isn't his bag. I think five furlongs, he's a proper speed horse. And if Colin can get him up there with a the pace early on, you know, I think he might just have a bit too much for them. So I thought he was a little bit of value there. And I've seen in some places you can get 11 to two to him. I think if you're going to the dirty each way, as some people like to do, I think I think that's not a bad angle into that this race. I should try to get in your account close. It's great advice there, Chris. Anyway, I'm trying not to be controversial here, and I'll, uh, I'll try and avoid ALE. Um, I quite like Sinalia, um, Willie Lee's horse, the filly. I think, obviously, there's another step up in, in class, but obviously ran well behind Glenn Shee last time out. Um, I do think this is a bit of a minefield, and if I have any any Scottish banknotes left after Saturday, it's probably a race that I won't be getting involved in. Anyways, the selections here. Um, ALE, Chris Loder found a bit of 11 to 2. Best FM is 4 to 1. Um, and obviously, Paul's with that as well. And to be honest with you, it's a no bet for me. Um, move on to the Monoglore Stakes Group 1. Um, this, this looks a good race. What are, we, what are we with here, Paul? I'm with, I'm with pretty gorgeous for, for Becky McDonough and Joseph O'Brien. 
course that wasn't declared that I was really looking forward to was the was the Geraldine's train Angel Pam. Unfortunately, I was looking forward to seeing her turn up. I thought she could have been something just made things a little bit more interesting. But I think pretty gorgeous, you know. Just incidentally, when you look at the fields, like there is should be plenty of untapped potential. There's three group winners in the field, which include the group two debutant stakes winner, which saw pretty gorgeous getting the better of Shale. I don't see why Shale should reverse the form here. We have the likes of Anti Brady then is interesting, but just managed to hold on to score on debut at the current June. Jim Bullish's yard have been among the winners recently. So Philly obviously that is held in high regard, but an all-known form, pretty gorgeous, brings the best form to this race, and I think she's priced accordingly at the top of the market. She's the one dollar to beat. What about you, Chris? Where are you with here? Let me guess. Uh, pretty gorgeous, just wins. <laughs> um, she's got all of them in her back pocket. To be honest, she's got Shell in her back pocket. She's got Mother Earth in her back pocket. You know, I just unless maybe one of the the. The lesser exposed types that we've only seen once, like Auntie Brady, Jim Bulger's horse, Ken Condon's horse, Thunder Beauty, you know, unless any of them are going to step up, I really don't think um, Pretty Gorgeous got anything to worry about. I'll keep it straight and simple. Pretty Gorgeous just wins. A bold statement from Loda there. I'm actually going to put the Loader mindset on here. I think I've found one at 25 to 1. Well, it was 28, but it's actually 22 in places now, so. I need to actually check my laptop to see if someone's listening because this seems to be a common thread. But anyway, I uh, quite like Dor- Dermot Weld's Amaturi. Uh, one well on debut behind, well, Polisfisco is in second and actually has form with Shale and Pretty Gorgeous. Um, I think it's a fair price. I mean, ran well last time over course and distance behind the first two in the betting. Um, I think Dermot Weld's horse is overpriced here. This, this filly, I mean, I think... 25 to 1 looks massive. Um, and I think this horse, if there was a fast pace early, I think this thing could be run on quite strongly. Um, it's only 10 to 1 on that day as well in the Conroy Silver Flash Stakes at Leperstown. Um, 25 to 1, 28 in places. In, that would be my each way alternative to to do pretty gorgeous on the line. Um, anyway, moving on. It's an optimistic punt there, isn't it, guys? But we'll see what happens. Um, I just want to see Loder's reaction. If I could beat him in a photograph, it would be <laughs> priceless. So Paul and Chris are with Pretty Gorgeous at five to six, shrewd. And I'm with Amashuri, 28, 25 to one each way. And it's actually my next best. Um, could be a Dark Jedi moment like last weekend, Chris. <laughs> yeah, nearly, nearly, nearly Dark Jedi. Freeze on and running ahead. Hit the front at York, final furlong. and just got picked up by an outsider. But moving on, uh, we're going to move on to the final race at the Curra, the 4-10, the Goss Vincent O'Brien National Stakes Group 1. Are you going to mix this, up, mix this up, Chris? What are we with? I think this is extraordinarily tricky. I think this is the best two-year-old race we've seen this season by a long chalk. Um, Battleground's done nothing wrong in his last couple of starts. You know, he's not. He doesn't really show like he's got he, he doesn't really show like a great big turn of foot he's just a gritty determined horse that he's proper like he says he's like a battleground he's just battle hardened you know he, he just does he's very workmanlike in his attitude i don't think he's he's very flashy um you know he, he finds a lot and i think 
he's a solid yardstick. Lucky Vega as well has looked very good this season for Jessica Harrington. Beat the Learjet last time out. Unfortunately, we haven't seen that if the, that form's been boosted today because Le- the Learjet was a non-runner at Doncaster. So that that's slightly disappointing there. Master of the Seas is the one that I'm probably just going to come down on for Charlie Appleby. Now, Godolphin likes to target this race. We've seen Pinatubo last year uh, win this race. Absolutely hacked up in it. Um, and then he, uh, then the year before he won with, I think this race with Corto, am I thinking right? But maybe not, but, um, master of the seas, you know, he's, I was really impressed with that new market win and the form is not too bad. Devious companies ran well, like we said, in some of these good two year races this season, St. Lawrence went on to win, uh, the listed race, the Denford stakes at Newbury, which is not a bad piece of form. The Richard Hannon uh, horse um, went to win in France after that that run, but he has maybe disappointed subsequently after those performances. I don't think he's, um, yeah, he, he finished last on his last start, so he hasn't really done the form too much. But still, he did win on his next start, you know. But I just think Master of the Seas, he's going to keep improving, you know, and he, I think he he's. I don't know, just something about him that I, I wasn't copying Paul, who I think fancies him, but I just... Surely not, guys, come on. Master of the Seas, I just think he's... I think he, he's he got a bit of top class about him. You know, I think he's got a bit of a Pinatubo profile. I, I think he's Godolphin's guinea source for next year. Um, and I've got a feeling Paul likes him as well. I do. Ways are kind of shortly after 10 past four on, on Sunday... I thought military style was a very gutsy winner of the, the Tiger Stakes at Leperson last month, and there could be more to come from, from military style. Then we're moving on to, to Battleground is two from three. Won the vintage stakes at Goodwood, beating Devious Company by two lengths. And Devious Company, we mentioned it, you know, at one of the previous races on the podcast, has been a little bit frustrating since that. Beat him comfortably, but, but no one, no one kind of what we know now. That form with Battlegrounds beating, beating Devious Company by two lengths would it be good enough to, to win this? I'm not so sure. And as Chris, Chris mentioned it's, it's a race that Godolphin like to target. They've won three of the last eight runnings, including with Master of the Seas, Sire Dubawi, took this race back in 2004. So I think Master of the Seas, two from two, looks a cut above average here, and I think he takes the beating. Both of you are quite shrewd on Master of the Seas. Um, I'm actually in the process of writing an email to the traders right now at Paddy just to shorten him right now. Three to one, we'll be gone very, very shortly. Um, again, um, as I was saying before, he does look like the Dolphins' guineas horse for next year. It's quite interesting that Battleground's actually a clear favourite for the 2000 guineas next year, seven to one. You can actually nick a bit of 14 to one on Master of the Seas. Um, I do think that's a bit of a, bit of a big price. Um, I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for advertising that, but if you fancy him tomorrow, you want to bet that 14 and one because I don't think he's going to go off that day if he's a runner in the Guineas. Um, but for me, I, as as Chris said, I think this is a very very competitive race. I'll have no bet for me in this race, but I will have a, a small each way bet on Master of the Sea for the Guineas next year right now because if he does win impressively, it's not going to be that price, is he? It's going to get hoovered up straight away. And yeah. so that wraps up. Oh, nearly. Moving on to save the best to last, guys. Again, we've, I see we've been quite creative with the selections. Um, moving on to the Irish and Ledger. 
what do you like here, Paul? <laughs> yeah, looking at this one, you've Futara Prince is, is interesting. Look good when, when winning the Eber at York last month and, and is a bit more valued than, than winning distance would suggest. And what's interesting about Fujara Prince is that he's a six year old having just his ninth start. So you'd imagine that there is again there's going to be plenty of potential that just hasn't been touched just yet. But you know, you're going from a handicap, albeit now to winning the Ebor into group one. He's gonna to need to step up, but as mentioned, he's just very little mileage on the on the clock. But I think Twilight Payment looks the one that they, they all have to beat here. He's won both the Vintage Crop Stakes and the Coral Cup, both over course and distance this year. And that certainly would, would points give every all the pointers to that this has been the, the long term target, you know, connection. I think he probably started off with this race and, and walked backwards. I think last season last season's Irish Derby winner, Sovereign, deserves a mention, but I, I think I can't see past Twilight Payment. So again, you think this is definitely going to Brian's name on it in some capacity? Yeah, I think so. I think for Jarrah Prince, it just is fascinating, you know, for, for the six-year-olds with so little starts, you know. I think there's, and the Ebor the just could have been his Champions League final. So Twilight form, Twilight Payment has a solid form in the book and mentioned it, a winner at the Vintage Crop in the Coral Cup. So I think this was probably the, they were stepping stones to, to this, I think. I hope he's not a Tottenham fan. But as I can see, Chris yeah. Loader's face, do I even have to ask what you fancy in this race, Chris? Uh, I agree with completely with Paul that Twilight Payment is the one to beat. It's quite remarkable, really, that you 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 you're tipping up a we're all tipping up a seven year old here that that's in yeah. the best the best form of his life. You know, you don't see too many seven year olds coming into the peak. Maybe in the National Hunt game, but not on the flat. You don't see too many seven year olds reaching their their, twi- their literally their twilight years. Um, uh, I just think anything that's got within like a few lengths of him has been he's he's just beaten everything out of sight really this season and it's hard to really make a case for anything everything else has got question marks in this field he's just a solid option sovereign obviously we hadn't seen him for nearly a year until uh, this season when he won the Irish Derby. You know, he finished third. He actually finished two and a half lengths behind Twilight Payment in the crop stakes. Um, and then he was, I don't, I don't know what was going on really in the King George. He was trying to make all, trying to beat an able. Can't really read too much into that race. Um, Fijera Prince is interesting, but got a lot to find on the ratings in my opinion still you know like impressive winner of the e-ball but you know that, that was a handicap and this is group level you know it's it's a different ball game and a lot of these handicappers can never i, I always seem to find it, it's very difficult to translate top handicap form into group company search for a song won this race last year you know and she's probably been campaigned to come back to this race again but it, it was a bit of a bizarre race if i remember last year i think q gardens was expected to win that race last year um but yeah it, it's just hard to really fancy anything strongly other than twilight payment because you can't knock him it, if he repeats surely his last two performances he, he wins this race and twilight payment unfortunately i don't I, I like normally being a little bit more bold and looking for bigger value but yeah he's just solid 
Fortunately, I'm in the gang as well. You know, I just think he's, he's had a new lease of life. Looks absolutely solid. Um, so we have a full house here, all aboard. Twilight payment, get on now. And that wraps up the cutter. Um, and we're going to end on, we're going to just pop over the channel because Chris Lothar's dying to get one for Longchamp. The last race we're going to do is the 250 Grand Prix du Paris. What one do we like here, Chris? Where's the winner? Oh, it's quite an interesting little race here. Um, it's going to be a great day at Longchamp on Sunday, Arc Trial weekend. We're going to see Stradivarius there uh, in his Arc Trial running in the pre four. You know, you've got the, the, the Philly group one as well. So, a lot of top class action, you know. But I just wanted to talk about the Grand Prix, the Paris, because it's going to be the first time that we've seen the Epsom Derby win a Serpentine. Um, obviously, we don't really know what to make of that. We, we, we don't know if it was an absolute fluke or was it, or is this thing the real deal? Obviously, he did very well to to win by his by the wide margin that he did. But it's hard. But we say like we should forgive all the horses in in that race. You know, should we really if he comes out and proves that he's uh, a freak of nature again? Um, I, I'm kind of in the, the camera I would probably want to take him on even though I think the way French racing is run could possibly suit him if he does get an easy lead but I'm not sure he will um, Port Gilliam similar to Persian King's performance the way it's run you think he can get an easy lead and kick Could he, he could do um, I expect Port Gilliam to be up there at the pace mm-hmm. um and the one that I, that I'm just gonna go with him because I was never a believer, but I'm one of these people that seem to believe in the horses when everybody else is kind of not with them anymore. <laughs> um, and I just think English King does have a really top race in him because and I really wanted him to go for the ledger I really did because I think he's been crying out absolutely crying out for the step up and trip I think he's a Stradivarius he's a cup horse I never brought into him for the derby I was totally against him I wasn't even with him at Goodwood last time but watching the race back at Goodwood he was actually a little bit unlucky not to get a little bit closer that day he was well fancied he was favourite he got he did, he got a bit hampered at one at one point which really did pay to his chances and then Frankie that day wasn't too hard on him and he and he finished off his race quite strongly in the last furlong if you actually go back and watch the replay. And I think if you look at his pedigree, he's bred really to get slightly further than a mile and a half. Um there's plenty of um stamina on the on the dam side of his pedigree, you know, that he's related to a couple of horses that got two miles, you know. So I just think maybe he wants a little bit, he wants to step up and trip. But I just think the way the race could be suited tomorrow, if the, oh, on Sunday, sorry, if they do go off quite hard or if there is a lot of pace in that race, it just could set up for a strong travelling type. And we know he's a strong traveller, you know. And I just think it is interesting that they have decided to go for the Grand Prix de Paris rather than the St. Ledger, which I think is a more winnable group one. So just on that note, whenever I one show at the moment, Chris. Yeah, just because maybe people have just had enough of him now, got their fingers burnt. I just think maybe 
uh, this is the time where I'm going to row him when everybody else has done done their nut on him. I think I just think he. I still think he. We haven't got to the bottom of him yet, and he and it could be the race where nobody had a penny on that he comes and does the business because I, I. But I think I'm interested to see what Serpentine can do. I think the race rolls around him, but English King, I think, is an interesting contender. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, my mole within that yard so after the derby, um, they weren't happy with him. I think he sort of regressed a little bit. So that was the word. Um, so maybe chuck a bit of caution in there, loader. Bit of info there for you, five to one. Um, Serpentine is currently a thirteen to eight chance. Um, short enough. Um, what do you like, your Paul? Are you with the favourite or are you following Christian? <clears throat> I like Serpentine. Um. I think English King was a beaten favourite at Goodwood for the last scene, so was obviously was obviously doing something right at home before before running running at Goodwood. Of course, that went away. That was in the Gordon Stakes. Was Mogul one was fairly convincing on that occasion. I think Mogul may give Serpentine most to think about here. Serpentine, you know, question marks over the Derby, but I think the Emmett McNamara the fractions were pretty spot on. Just nobody went with, with Serpentine. But he's been given plenty of time to to get over Epsom which was his third run in less than a month. So I think all the signs here are for Serpentine. Mentioned Mogul, but I imagine we'll give Serpentine most to think about. We mentioned pace, the French racing, incidentally, they generally go a lot slower in France, the first couple of furlongs. You know, they might jump out and they generally dawdle. So I think that will, will play, you know, I'd imagine like Sumion's just going to drop his hands in and let, let Serpentine rock and roll from, from stall five and whoever wants to go them can. The French horses, the Port Gilliam, has struggled at Group 1 on his only Group 1 start. So, you know, with top connections, so that can all change. But I think he is question mark stance. He's one at a, at a bigger price. There's a horse in swoop, ran out a good winner of the German Derby at Hamburg back in July. Two victories from three starts. And what was impressive about that success was in swoop on the German Derby. Came from near last to first at swoop late. So I think that could be one. Ronan Thomas is on board, could, could run well. Definitely of interest in uh, mixing things up. Actually, Loader, we don't agree with much, but I've got to be against your English king, trust my source. I um, was behind one at Goodwood, um, so that would probably be a lay for me. Um, if there's even more money coming from it, potentially even a place lay. Um, but just to wrap things up, um, if I can get your, your naps and your next best to the weekend so the listeners can get on, obviously we'll post the selections below. Um, but obviously, if you want to give me your naps and your next best, if you want to go first, Paul. No pressure. Oh yeah, now I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Master of the Seas in the, the Vincent O'Brien, the National Stakes. Um that is at ten past four at the Curra on Sunday. Um, Another one that Chris liked as well. Next best just get a look here. Uh what will we see, what will we see. Uh, a bit of a price. Next best at a bit of a price. I'm going to go with A. Ali, A. Ali, Colin Kane, Simon and I, Chris. Four to one. Another one Chris likes as well. Um, anyway, what do you like, Chris? Nap, next best. Mix it up, please. Um, I'm going to go. With my nap, I'm actually going to go for, for Jack Duggan in the 340 at Leopardstown. I just think there's something, there's just something about that win. I would urge anyone to go back and watch the replay. I just think 
Cadillac takes so much of the market in that race that I'd rather want to take it on. And for me, I, I, ju I just think Jack Duggan did a lot of things wrong that day, but was impressive in the way that he won. And if, if there's a bit of value out there, I, I just think he is. And my next best, uh, if I had to, to, to go with my next best again, I, I fancy quite a few this weekend at, at big prices. I'll probably, but I'll probably go with my Hegan Heights each way in the St. Ledger. I just think, I just think the race could set up perfectly for the closers. And we know Spencer likes to come with a late ride. And I just think at 25 to one, he's a really big price. And Duggan's um, an app at 20 to one. Next best, Mohican Heights, 25 to one. Yep. It's an absolutely outrageous double for over 50s. Yeah, stranger things have um, happened. And I've. Strange, yeah. And I, uh, uh, I went with a pretty optimistic nap next best as well. I've taken, I'm going to go for the Dermot Weld runner, um, Moigler Slid Stakes, Amaturi, 25 to one is my nap. My next best. Is currently best priced fifty to one each way. Royal residence and the Portland handicap, four places. But listen, guys, that's been great. Paul, appreciate you coming on and marking the card for Thanks us. Um, and carrying Chris Loader and letting him copy your selections. Yeah. Thanks again, Chris. Um, cheers, guys. Yeah.